Welcome to Crystallizing Conversations. Join your hosts, Jillian Aurelia Green and Iris Unique as we explore the tools, pathways, and possibilities for healing and expansion. Through the warmth of easy conversation, we'll be delving into magic, mental health, and more. This is your time to learn about yourself, each other, and of course, the crystals that support us along the way. This isn't just a podcast, it's a community of your closest spiritual friends. Let's grow together. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Crystallizing Conversations. Happy full moon. <laughs> Today, we have here with us Claire Takahashi, who was actually introduced to myself and Jillian through Jen Bauer of Natured Center Coaching. We've had several of her wonderful um, spiritual lightworker teachers here on the podcast, and we're so excited to have Claire here today. Claire's a creative earth coach. She is the host of her own podcast called The Mindful Creature, and she's an artist of paint, petals, and words. Love that. Certified as a wayfinder coach and a morning altar teacher, through her one-on-one coaching, creative workshops, and earth art guidance, Claire helps other humans to reconnect with the earth in their bones, uncage their inner creatures, and live with more colorful and restorative creativity. Thank you so much for being here with us, Claire. Thank you. It's just really good to be here with both of you. I'm, I'm excited for this wonder that we're going to go on. Beautiful. Us too. (laughs) Excited for the journey and where it leads. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up on this road in this path of coaching and helping others? Let's see. I mean, where to begin? I feel like we all all come to this place because we've got a lot of stories and a lot of things that have been a part of our healing journey that have pushed us and prompted us to take the next step, if that makes sense, to have the courage to, okay, I I have to shift. Um, So for me, a lot of those things have been um, in the vein of, you know, growing up as a parentified child, having complex PTSD, uh, learning to work through my own mental health. Um, I worked in higher education for a long time, and uh, one of the universities that I worked at um, you know, had a school shooting and just working through multiple things over my life. Also with chronic health issues. Um, most recently in 2021, I had a a pulmonary embolism. And so the, the journey continues, um, of there's always another layer to this. And for me, I, I guess part of this is, is really, learning from each of those experiences Mm -hmm. so that I can partner with other people because other people are going through things that are just as deep as what I'm experiencing. They might have a different name. They might have a different flavor, but we're all on this path together in some form or another. And so if I can do my own work so that then I can also do work with other people, then that to me is, is what creates the gift for me. So that's, I guess, a short version of why I'm here, if that makes sense. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I think in a lot of, um, you know, healers' histories, that's basically how it goes. Is like we, we're healing ourselves and we have a story to share. And sometimes I know I've throughout my life and pulling Oracle cards, I always get the like, share your light card, share your light. And it's like, no, this is personal. I don't know if any, I don't know if anyone even wants to hear my story, but by sharing our story and sharing our struggles, it helps others to connect with us. And therefore whatever has helped us, we can share with them. And it's just this beautiful, like symphony of, of life. And I I love that. And for those of you that aren't familiar with Claire yet, please check out her website. It's very beautiful. It's um, her name, ClaireTakahashi.com. One of your big um, things that you like to teach about and talk about is morning altars. Now, before we kind of get into like how to go about a morning altar, can you really like just basically explain what is a morning altar, first of all, for our listeners? 
Yeah, so a morning altar um, is a mindfulness tool. It's a practice that weaves together in nature, art, and ritual. And the bones of that is really taking found earth materials or gathering earth materials Mm -hmm. and having a conversation with the earth to create um, a piece of art, an altar, um, an offering. And so that can come in the form of pattern. For some people, it is more kind of a Mandela type shape, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, In terms of altar form, it can be more in almost, you know, I know a lot of your listeners are familiar with crystal grids and so designs like that. So a morning altar can kind of take a form like that where you're almost gridding with the petals or the leaves or stones or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, so really you're, you're taking and receiving materials from the earth to have a conversation. And so I think that's partially where the, the altar piece come in, comes in and, um, for Dave Shulkret, the, the originator of this practice, you know, the, the title kind of came from the fact that when he was originally working with this, you know, more than a decade ago, he was primarily doing this in the morning. And so his friends just stalled, started calling it his morning altars. And so it just kind of became that, if you will, mm-hmm. in terms okay. of the title. But they really don't have to be created in the morning is is a question that a lot of people say, oh, I I have to do this first thing. No, you don't. You can really have this conversation with the earth whenever you want to. And you can create this sacred moment and pause whenever you want to. And so whether you call it an altar or a piece of art um, or a spiral or whatever the name is, I think the the most important part is just coming with, with your own intention to the practice and um, the the lovely, you know, set of seven steps that he's put together really offer you many different ways of entering into that type of conversation that I think can be really powerful for people. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, there there's some different things on, on my website in terms of being able to actually look at them. I feel like, you know, I, I can describe a morning altar, you know, for hours and yet a photo I think is better than anything I could ever say in a lot of ways. Um, so people can, you know, look at my Instagram, they can look at, um, the morning altars, Instagram, and that will give them a lot of, I think, good insight into what this actually looks like for a lot of people. Or, um, again, on Instagram, if you follow the hashtag morning altars, then you can see a lot of people practicing this around the world. Um, and the really, I think the diversity of how this practice can look for people. So beautiful. Yeah. So when you say morning altar, um, because I have, and I call it morning ritual, but like you said, sometimes some, most of the time I try and do it in the morning. Sometimes I don't get to it till right before bed, but it's, it's different than, than what you're describing. So what you're describing, and, um, I'm just kind of trying to get it through my head. So you go outside and mm-hmm. is it almost like, oh, I'm drawn to these leaves. So you like thank the tree or the plant and you ca- gather a few leaves and, oh, this, this is a beautiful, this rock, even though it's just a bland rock, for some reason I'm drawn to this as well. Are you basically just going out into nature and whatever you're drawn to, you're picking? I know you mentioned there's seven <laughs> steps. So I don't know if that will help describe for people a little bit better of exactly what it is we're doing. Are we going out into our yard? Are we going on a nature walk? Um, how are they gathering these um, earth found, pieces? Yeah, for, these found materials. Yeah, yes, for yeah. their altars. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I love this question. The, the first step of the practice is playing with wandering and wondering. And so exactly what you just described of when you step outside your door, you are slowing down into what we like to call earth time. Mm. So it's a different kind of movement. It's a different kind of listening. And you really are asking those questions of what and who wants to have a conversation with you and wants to play. And so, 
in the, the teacher training that we do, we actually just had another cohort start this past weekend. Um, so we were talking about this with them all weekend and introducing, mm-hmm. you know, these concepts to them. And it's just so exciting to see another group get to, you know, dive deep into this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it really is that premise of when you walk outside your door or even if you're sitting inside, because that's another thing that I've done a lot with clients is sometimes people don't have the capacity to go on a walk mm-hmm. or they have chronic pain or, you know, how can we also adapt to this for if you're inside? Mm-hmm. So maybe that looks like you have a small tray of earth or sand or stones. Maybe you're doing something with crystals or dried herbs. And again, it's that same what you just described of, you know, you're interacting with the environment and the materials. So if I if I had a setup for you know, when I have a migraine and I'm not able to go outside, well, I'm still tapping into that intuition of what wants to work with me today? Who wants to have this conversation? And so whether you're doing that inside or whether you're going outside and you're touching the tree and asking her permission for, does some of these leaves, whether they're on the ground or on her branches, do they want to come with me? And really slowing it down into like I said, that earth time and waiting for a response, you know, not rushing through that and learning how to tell, you know, what does that yes feel like in mm-hmm. your body when you get a yes? Also, what does the no feel like when you get a no? What does a, I don't know yet because they're speaking a different language and we have to learn that language. Um, and it is a slower then our brains are constantly running mm-hmm. way of speaking and communicating. So I know from my own experience, oftentimes if I get an, I don't know for me, that more equates to a no of this, you know, doesn't want to be moved. She doesn't want to be cut or gathered. Um, I tend to lean a lot in my own practice towards using things that are already fallen or that are presenting themselves in an immediate area or even if I'm wanting to do more of a particular color or something like that then maybe it's something where I'm using a flower that's at the end of its face life and so I'm taking that with me and using that um, in partnership with what's already there. So there's a lot of different ways to to interact with this and to to begin that conversation. But exactly what you just said of, you know, it is just stepping outside your door and being open to listening to what is drawing you in, what is calling for your attention. And then again, also listening for who wants to just kind of be in the way that they are. I think this is just a beautiful realization of a oh, practice in a way to multiple things, but one slow down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All of us are always go, go, go. And it's so imperative that for our mental health, for our soul health, just and physical health of just pausing, taking this separate time for ourselves. And, you know, there's been numerous studies and documentaries on the, on how plants and trees communicate with one another And we have this ability to intuitively tap into that when we slow down, when we take this time for us, we can tune into their language. And I think this is such a beautiful practice. And it's now I'm thinking like, oh, I'm going to do this after (laughs) after we record because I have so many things like before recording. I'm like, oh, after that, I got to do this and this and this. And now I'm like, "Mm, no, I'm going to take a half hour (laughs) and really do this. And I love how you mentioned indoors, even herbs, like even the herbs in our kitchen are, we had um, Raquel Cohen on our um, podcast, one of our first earlier episodes. And she has a book that I, it's called Everyday Plant Magic. And the cover's so gorgeous that I just have it sitting out. But she even talks about different herbs and what they're, like she communicates with the plants. And in our episode, she did a thing on how we can do the same. But Yes, you have, you know, indoor plants even, or, you know, whatever it is that you might have fire. Like I have a candle right now going. Mm -hmm. There's so many things we can do to connect with nature indoors, regardless of 
you know, if we don't have that yard space or whatever. So uh, this mm-hmm. is just so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would really love to hear because this is such a, this is such a specific type of practice and, but it does incorporate, you know, the, the building of basically transient altars as a way to communicate with the earth. And I think altars in general have always been utilized as a way to communicate with the earth or with the divine or with the elements. And I would really love to hear, you know, we all have an idea of like what an altar is, but I'd really love to hear what your idea of an altar is like, what, what is it that makes something an altar versus doesn't make something an altar besides just having like Mm. a shelves with some things on it. What is it that separates those? I love that. Why is that important? (laughs) Yeah. A shelf with some things. I love that. So I love what you started with reference in terms of um, something we talk a lot about with this practice is, you know, we are standing on the shoulders of practitioners throughout history of this type of work. And especially when you're talking about indigenous peoples and first nations, and these are things that they have done for thousands and thousands of years. Um, creating sacred spaces in collaboration with the earth. So if you think about, you know, stone circles and cave art, and so you start to see that connection between the ground beneath your feet and the sky above, and it's creating this holistic view of the world that they had that we've kind of lost a little bit. We've siloed ourselves a lot into these boxes. I mean, even if you think about you know, the cars that we put ourselves in, the houses we put ourselves in, we're we're really living in a lot of boxes and we move between boxes all the time. And so I think for me, the, the beauty of bringing an altar practice into that, you know, kind of wild modern world, if you will, (laughs) um, is it's inviting the sacredness, the magic leaving room for the mystery into this kind of chaos that we are often moving between. And so an altar is a place to slow down and a place to create a moment of meaning for yourself. So we talk about that a lot in the morning altar practice. This is a way to create meaning and to say something for perhaps a story or a moment or a feeling that you don't actually have words for yet. And it gives you a safe space to put that instead of, I think these days, you know, we're starting to talk more and more about, I mean, just thinking about book titles, like the body keeps the score and, you know, somatic body work and all of these different kinds of practices, you know, we're, we're remembering more and more that our bodies hold on to all this stuff unless we release it unless we have somewhere for it to go. And so for me, I think the power of altars is a space for you to have somewhere for something to go Mm. that maybe you didn't have space for. And so I think that is for me what an altar often equates to. It is a spot, you know, whether that's in a, a painting, whether that's laying it down on the earth, whether that's in a journal, those, I think in many ways for me, those are all kind of altar spaces. They're all sacred points and moments and places. And so the duality of having a spot to put something, to lay down something, um, as well as to leave room for that mystery and the magic and to just give some extra space for myself and for whatever it is that I'm processing through. I think you literally answered one of the questions I was going to ask was like, okay, so where are we putting this? Like, is this on a desk or is this on a shelf or is this? Okay. Like literally you do, you do you, you, if you want to (laughs) paint with it, you can paint with it. If you want to put it, place it, not lay on the go around and place it on your body. Like you do with crystals, do that. Like whatever you feel called to. And I think, I think that's one of the beautiful things that I'm learning more and more as we interview different wonderful people like yourself is the freedom that we have to do our creativity and our soul searching in forms that we 
it doesn't have to be in a structure because I feel like I'm always like, okay, so how am I supposed to do this? And it's like, no, there's no structure. You do what you feel inclined and what you feel called. And it's so freeing and liberating. I feel like rather than having to have this, like, okay, this is how it should be done. It's I'm free to do, here's an outline, but I'm free to do with it what I feel like. And I think that's so beautiful and just goes in touch with nature because nature doesn't really have boxes. (laughs) <laughs> it grows where it feels like it it go, grows where it wants to and where it feels happy and so for mm. those of us who are listening and are curious about how to go about okay so we've we've kind of got the gist of it we're going we're asking permission whether it's you know indoors outdoors really being still communicating trying to feel into our intuition and by all means grab a crystal that helps with cultivate your intuition <laughs> which Jillian and I can bring in at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but where do they go from here? Like, how do they start implementing this in their life? And for you, let's just ask for you personally, because this is something that you obviously personally do. How did you first start implementing this in your life? Um, and now is it still the same? Like, was this something you did every single morning when you first learned about it? Whereas now it's something once a month that you just like make it this luxurious thing that you really... <laughs> like get into or, you know, just, just your experience and what you've recommended to your clients about how they go about it. Yeah. I I love that. So for me, I've always been kind of immersed in creative practices in some form or another throughout my life. And so playing with the earth and things like that has always been something that I've done. And I think going into the pandemic, discovering day's work, and then like I said, with the um, with the pulmonary embolism, I think all of those things kind of combined to, you know, I was in a space where I was really resonating with his book and his work. Um, and, and then- Can you say the name of the author again? I've- sure. Uh, day Shulkrit. Okay. And the book is entitled Morning Altars. And then he also has a wonderful book that is um, more specific to uh, ritual practices that is called Hello Goodbye, which is okay. also wonderful. So cool. And we'll link great. that in the, in the show great. notes for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Continue. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Go find Day. He's awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So just r- reading through his work and really just resonating so deeply with that. And so starting to do that for myself and landing in a place where I couldn't necessarily do a lot of the things that I normally would do because with, you know, the recovery from my heart and my lungs, you know, not being able to um, walk and kind of go do the nature things that I normally would do. And so tending to myself with this practice was a way for me to stay connected with nature, whether inside or outside, depending on, you know, how my health was doing that day. And it gave me a space to just play and to feel connected to what I was touching, what I was smelling, um, the emotions that I was experiencing, even just if I was in a state of tiredness, and a way to calm my nervous system down, if that makes sense. Hmm. And so for me, a lot of that looked like sometimes I was playing with this every day. I had a little station that I had inside, and then I had little spots in my yard where I could very easily, you know, reach them and I could sit on the ground, even if I couldn't move around a ton that day. And I could just spend time feeling the earth, seeing what was available in that season in the yard getting to know the trees a little bit better, learning names of different plants. I think that's something that a lot of people have tons of fun with when they start to interact with this as a practice is learning the names and the the personalities of the plant life that's around them. And then by extension, the birds and the different creatures that are also, you know, we live in this whole ecosystem and we forget that we're a part of it. And so when you start to have kind of this as a practice, perhaps tied to a sit spot practice, I think that really opens a lot of doors for people. I know it did for me. And 
as I said, it just gives you a way to play. So whether you do that for just a couple minutes or whether you do that for an hour, you know, it, I think it, again, it's, that's a beauty of this for me is there's no really right or wrong way to do this. I mean, we, we go into this and yesterday has given us seven wonderful steps and also, you know, he will be the first one to say, you know, you're learning all these things and yet also you learn them and then you get to play with them and you move them around and things switch around. And maybe you're sharing and gifting something first before you even create. I mean, there, there's just a lovely, I think, web of how you can do this for yourself. And so, yeah, again, for me, I think the interaction of, you know, playing with this during some different health things and, you know, over the years that has moved into um, really listening to my intuition of when I'm feeling really pulled by something and, um, and called to, okay, this, this is asking me for something and, and I don't know what this plant wants to say, but I'm going to lend my hands and see what she wants to do. And so for me, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm doing a full build every day, if that makes sense. It's more so that I'm listening to what the world around me is saying. Mm. Um, and so my practice kind of flows with that and with the seasons or what comes into my sphere that wants to have that conversation and um, to share something. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. I feel like yeah, I just went on a long no, ramble, but and you but know that's what, what you do in the morning altars, <laughs> yes. right? You yes. just wander. <laughs> Yep. And whatever happens, happens. Mm -hmm. So it's really reminding me of is it's essentially you're you're going back to being a kid. I have my stepson Mm -hmm. who's seven now and he loves being in nature, but it's just, he's also a homebody. So at first he's like a little, no, I don't want to go outside, but then I'm outside. So then he comes outside and then just watching him, you know, get down on his knees and he, he loves roly polies. So like playing around in the dirt and picking up the roly polies. It's like the only multi-legged <laughs> creature, like many legged creature that like kids are not weirded out by. Yeah. They're just, they're so cute. Yeah. He like collects them and he'll like play with them and, you know, go He'll grab a stick and pretend it's a sword and we go to the beach and he's always, he doesn't even necessarily care to go in the water. He just wants to play in the dirt and he collects all the rocks. And it's really just reminding me of us getting back to that, getting back to that like inner childlike (laughs) wonder of earth and just being in it. And anytime I'm in nature and I feel like, I know there's been like scientific studies on this too. So it's not just me, but you just feel so much better. It just, it, I mean, obviously grounds you because you're literally connected to the earth and to the ground, (laughs) but I just, I, I, and I know we all do, we all get stress and anxiety and it's like, anytime I'm able, when I'm feeling that way, I just, if I can go on a nature walk and just be outdoors, get the sunshine, touch Mm -hmm. the trees, it's so therapeutic and soothing and healing. And it's like, we get prescribed all these medications, but guess what? It's right outside your front door. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's really what it's reminding me of is just being a kid again, connecting yeah. back with that love of and our inherent love of nature. Yeah. Yeah. And it it really does open the door for you to reaccess and remember your curiosity that you had when you were small. Yeah. You know, like you said, that sense of wonder and just the awe of this alive world that we live in, you know, the animacy that she has. And I think it also reminds us that we're not alone. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're not separate from this system. We're a part of it. And there's a comfort in that, I think, for people, um, whether or not they're necessarily even conscious of it or not, because it does ground you. Like you just said, it's, it's a, a grounding practice and a, a remembrance of that. There is something under your feet. There is something coming into your lungs and there is something in the sky above you. 
you know, we're part of this whole, whole place. Hmm. Beautiful. And I keep going back to how you worded it. And I'm like, that quote of we go from a box into a box into another box. It's like, I'm at home and then I go into my car to work and then I'm at work and then I'm back in the box. To go. <laughs> it's just such a funny concept. I haven't really thought of, but it's so true. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky I have a lot of windows, so I'm always gazing out <laughs> at all the trees, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just another way to connect to mother nature, connect to source, universe, God, whatever your belief system yeah. is. And that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And to sit on the edge of the unknown, I think, too. Um, our boxes tend to be very, you know, we like them climate controlled. And um, I think in a lot of ways, we've gotten to this point of where we've we've been so conditioned that our bodies are not supposed to be uncomfortable. <laughs> and which I find kind of odd because for most of human history, we were probably very uncomfortable most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> probably why so, we don't like being uncomfortable now. Yeah. Like, we did it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but at the same time. But that's how you grow. I mean, yeah, we made it here. Like, in spite of being uncomfortable. So our bodies have the capacity to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And then to also relax and be comfortable. And so for, for me, I think the, the question's been coming up a lot this year in particular is, so how can I just let myself be cold? Like mm -hmm. if I'm cold, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Maybe I'll be cold for a little while. Or if I roll down the windows in the car and I don't have to have, you know, air conditioning on or heating on or just what does it feel like? What does the world feel like? What does she smell like? Um, instead of trying to control everything and just, again, being curious about what's happening around me and how I'm interacting with it. And I think for me, because of my chronic health stuff, doing things like that helps me to then trust my body that, you know, she can handle it. She can do it mm -hmm. and she'll be okay, which helps me to feel a lot more confident in myself which has really been very interesting to explore. Yeah, I know there's been a lot of, I've, I've just been so excited about all the science things that have come out about woo-woo. So I'm just like, <laughs> I've just been on this like deep dive of like, ha, ha, ha. It's, it's been proven. But, it's um, real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the health benefits, I mean, I can't off the top of my head remember right now, but of being extremely cold and of being extremely hot. And then you even take the health benefits aside if we are uncomfortable, I remember the first time I went out of the country other than Mexico, since it's so close, I went to Costa Rica and I went with a friend. We stayed with her friend's family who lives there, but they are, they were poor. And so we wanted to experience the, what it was really like for them. And we took cold showers because they couldn't afford heated water and I remember when I got home, how much I, how grateful I was for heated water and for air condition and all the things that we take for granted every day. So by being uncomfortable, as funny as that sounds, it really helps us to be grateful for what we do have. Because I think it's so easy to lose sight of all of these things that we have to be grateful for, including our yeah. eyesight. Like that's something that I, every day I'm like, oh looking at all the colors. I'm so grateful. I can see all these different colors and yeah. Yeah. I think there's something also to be said as well. When you think about, I mean, all life forms like single cell amoeba, if something is uncomfortable, it reacts, it mm -hmm. does something, it changes like literally evolution happened because whatever creature was in existence at the time was uncomfortable. And so it changed. And so I think there's something to be said for embracing being uncomfortable, not necessarily like just sitting in it, but acknowledging that this is okay. And then being intentional with the choices instead yeah. of just reacting, right? Because we've, we've, yeah. we reacted and we evolved and that was great. But now we're moving into being intentionally, being able to intentionally choose what we are doing instead of just like 
living in reaction, which doesn't allow for, you know, because there's no space in that. There's no slowing down Mm -hmm. from that. And so I think this is such a neat practice because it is a very purposeful way to slow down besides just sitting and meditating. It's something that, you know, meditation doesn't work for everyone. So having a practice that is communicative, that is connective, that allows you to go out into the world and experience it instead of just sitting, I think is really, really powerful because it still allows that space to slow down and be really intentional with the choices that one is making as one is interacting with their environment. And I think that's really, really neat and, and allows for so much more evolution, but on an internal scale. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And I love what you just said about, you know, that ability to slow down and not be in the reaction. And I think it really does give you that chance to, to be in creative response instead Mm. of reaction. Mm. And for, you know, the majority of people that are playing with this morning altar practice, um, and for those of us, you know, that are teaching it and, and kind of trying to, you know, spread this more in the world, um, something that it, you'll find that a lot of us do is, you know, we don't come to this with a plan. So, for example, Day in particular, you'll see some of the installation things that he does and, and they're, you know, quite vast and intricate. There's not a design that he does before. Because this is all in creative response and conversation with the materials that are at hand. And so sometimes some of the materials can be planned a bit in advance, depending on the landscape that you're going to be in. So you might know some of the things that you might be working with potentially because of who lives there. But the design is all in creative response. And so it is allowing you that space to really listen to the both the materials and to yourself and to what the universe is saying. The trip that I was on recently, um, part of the time when I was in South Africa, it was interesting. I was doing some building and, and having some conversations with people about, you know, what I was doing. It, people will get that a lot. You know, when you start playing with this, people are like, what are you doing? What are you doing with the stones? What are you doing with the pedals? And... And wondering like, oh, how did you come up with this? Or like, you know, what what were you thinking when you started this? And usually my answer is, well, I, I wasn't thinking, I was listening. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for me, there is a really sense of that creative response, wordlessness to this. Um, if there are words involved, then usually it's me kind of mumbling to myself and I'm talking to the materials and... <laughs> <laughs> and, and just, you know, you're taught, you start to talk to the leaves and, well, do you want to lay here? No, you don't want to lay here. Okay. We want to curl. Okay. Well, this is not. And, but then you start to, in these conversations, one of my favorite parts is when you get this spark where all of a sudden a pedal's like, oh, I want to do this thing. And for me, that's just like, oh my God, yes. Like <laughs> the best feeling in the world when, you know, the bougainvillea petals are like, I want to go there. Mm-hmm. And it just gives you this like, I don't know how to describe it other than like a vision almost of this is what we want to look like. Mm-hmm. And that is so cool to be on the receiving end of something like that, of like, we want to go in this shape. Mm-hmm. We want to go in this pattern. And then to have them want to do that is just such a cool sensation to get to like be in connection with, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So what's really neat is the way that you're talking about it is how I think a lot of people who are, let's say creatives for a living talk about it. It's that this isn't necessarily coming from me, right? If you read like, um, big magic, right? Like, which is a great book. I'll, we'll like it, but, um, it's that, you know, we are, we are channels. These, these muses, these ideas, these concepts, these creative things want to be born and it can be as transitory as a morning altar that gets blown away by a, a strong wind, or it can be a marble carving that's going to be there hopefully for like a thousand years. You know, there's, there's really no, no limit in terms of time because what's being born is always important and it always wants to be birthed through us. Um, and I loved the fact in the very, very beginning, you mentioned some of the 
original ways that people were really interacting for the first time, ancient humanity, and even like before humans, like before the Homo sapiens even, um, was through was through art, was taking things like, you know, crushed like crushing stones and making paints and like painting their surroundings and and there's such a beautiful connection between our ability to connect to earth and our ability to create and i think it's really neat that it all it really all to me anyone's feels like it always like comes from the sacral right that's like the place where we physically give birth right and it's also the place where we give birth to to art you know the way that you're talking about it seems especially for our society where where creativity is okay up until a certain age. And then after that, unless you are getting compensated by money, it's not something you really should be doing anymore because it's not adult. It's not something, it's something for children. You should put your toys away. You shouldn't be creative anymore. You just have to like work. And so it seems like this is a really beautiful way to once again, tap into that play, to tap into our natural ability to be creative because that is literally what like defines humanity. And yet society is like, nope, you shouldn't do that anymore, (laughs) which is insane to me. And so, you know, I know for myself, I, I consider myself very, very creative. I'm a writer, I'm a singer, but you know, sometimes I'm like, I just want to color in coloring books. And like, (laughs) when I'm feeling stuck, that's what I'll do is like, I don't, I, I can't write because, you know, my, my livelihood depends on writing. So like, I can't write right now. So I'm just going to color because there's no, it's just a way to flow. And like, and I exactly know that, that experience. And I think all of us have experienced at one point in time. I mean, even as kids, when you're like, playing mermaids or whatever and you're like oh my god i have this great idea for a game and this is what we're gonna do and there is that there's like that excitement and there's joy and it's just so much fun being able to again interact with your surroundings in a way that is flowing instead of a way where you're trying to control it yes and totally kind of went off on a tangent there but (laughs) i um your clients, when they come to you and they work with you and they are starting to build their altars, do you find that a lot of them um, end up returning back to that sense of play or being able to unlock creativity that they thought they hadn't been able to access in a long time or, or potentially ever, depending on you know how they how they were raised? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think for a lot of people, this is a really a really wonderful tool to do just what you said to unlock. And remember something that they've forgotten how to do um, or to give themselves a permission slip that it is okay to do this. And so I loved what you were saying about coloring because I think, you know, we have so many tools to do this with. And, you know, part of the the modern world is is that we have to always be an expert in mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. instead of playing. And so... I mean, even with playing, we're like, oh, creative play, you've got to be like the best ever (laughs) in order to be allowed to do this. Uh That's not really what play is about. Play is about experimenting and failing and trying things and being okay with something being a complete mess and not knowing what the outcome is going to be. So part of, you know, what I like to talk about a lot with people in terms of you know, art and writing and morning altars and all of these different pieces that people can experiment and and try and play with is to not be addicted to the destination, Mm. but just to be present with the here. Don't worry about what's there. Just be here and try what you want to try. And it doesn't have to go anywhere. It doesn't have to be for anything. It's just for you in this moment. And so to give yourself that space to just be present with yourself. Because if we can't be present with ourselves, then how can we be present with anyone else? And the safest way to practice that, at least for me, that I've found is with the earth. Because it is harder to practice that with other people, I think, because we are so distracted and we all have our own things and the earth will mirror me and I can mirror her. And that brings me here 
And I love the, um, how you said not to, not to think about the outcome. I mean, um, and I know Jillian does her crystal gritting too, but when I, I used to do a lot of live sales, I don't hardly ever do them anymore, if at all. <laughs> need to get better at that. Um, but I would always create with the crystals I was offering crystal grids. And then inevitably I go outside and pick petals and kind of either whether it was pine, pine needles or flowers or whatever. And just as I would do it, I wouldn't really even be thinking. It would just be a feeling of like, oh, this goes here and that goes there. And just, I, I just lose myself Slow. in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then at the end I'd step back and be like, oh my gosh, this is like an art piece. Like I didn't even, oh, wow. You were doing beautiful. morning altars and didn't even know it. <laughs> exactly. So I love that of like, don't be connected to the outcome. Don't try and envision how this will look. Because what you're going to create is what you're meant to create, and it will look more beautiful than if you had ever planned it out. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah completely. And, and being willing to, to let go of mm -hmm. the outcome. And I think when you're, when you're building an altar or a piece of art outside, when, we're, when you're working with the impermanence, that does give you another way to be with that letting go process because it is impermanent and you are going to walk away from it and it's going to change mm -hmm. sometimes even before you walk away. Right. Maybe the wind is going to come through like you were saying earlier. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, it's I'm, like the, the sand gardening or the, the rock gardens you see. Mm -hmm. I'm based in Portland now and there's a really beautiful Japanese garden and I love seeing what they do. And it's always, it's always different every single time because it's always going to change. Mm -hmm. And that's part of, that's part of the process, right? The, the being in yeah. flow and then letting it go. Ooh, it rhymes. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good tagline. I know. Letting I know. it go. I should I like, trademark that. <laughs> I'm writing it down so we don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> now this morning altar, like, I feel like it's, it's evolving into this, like, oh, like I, I can, I can see it all. Um, have you found from your clients I feel like, like personally, I know, um, and I've talked about it before, I was in a chronic pain program for my back. And one of the healing modalities they had was doing artwork. Usually it was painting, but it was always some sort of like, and it's so funny, they, they had given us this one project going about that, like, forget the outcome. The project was to make a painting and then you were going to cut it up and like do like a mosaic type thing with it. But somehow I ended up doing this painting and it was of my dog whom like it's my soul my soul dog she's since passed and moved on but it was a picture of her and it's just just brought out her her spirit and her joy and her like spunkiness and I'm like I can't cut this up like I can't make this into a mosaic and I'm like oh it's okay you know that's that's what you decided to paint you can keep <laughs> it and I still have it it's still hanging up in my office um but for me at the time the creativity was so healing for me, not on an emotional aspect at the time, or at least I, I didn't recognize that. For me, for my pain, it was a distractor. So it literally was healing my, my physical pain to where I wouldn't even notice it because I was so focused in the moment on what I was doing. Do you find your clients are realizing as they're doing morning altars that this is healing things for them on like a subconscious level or obviously a conscious level if they're, they're talking about it, <laughs> but um, that they tend to find that it's actually healing, whether it's childhood things or whatever? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the the sneaky part about working with the earth is that it does give you space to unlock a lot of the things that maybe you weren't even aware of necessarily. Um, and I know, you know, when we're, when we're training teachers for this practice, that's a really important thing for us to talk about a lot because this will take you to an edge. She will ask you to sit on an edge and look at things that you might not have thought you were going to look at because you thought you were just going to play with pedals. Mm. And, but when you give someone a prompt of, of, for example, doing an enoughness altar and, you know, what does enough on an altar feel like? What is not enough feel like? Hmm. What is the space between feel like and just giving people really 
open questions that then they can play with themselves. And it's really amazing to witness um, what people discover on their own because it really is about the work that they're doing both for themselves and with the earth, which is more powerful than anything that I could prescribe for them. Because that conversation, I think, is something that's really sacred for people. Um, And I think the wordlessness aspect of it, you know, to your point, I think gives people a really safe space to just unlock and look at things that they might not have a safe space for, or even, again, are not ready to say yet. They might not have words Mm. for what is coming up. And knowing that they have something that they can return to whenever they need to, that there is a safe spot to put that and for it to be held. And also knowing that they only have to share that verbally if they want to. You know, there's no requirement. It's not a performance. Hmm. Feel that one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I will say when I came into this, I was, I was anticipating something different when it came to morning altars, but it's evolved and grown and like this newfound appreciation for a totally different viewpoint that I didn't have before, because I'm sure there's, there's someone out there. I'm sure there's many people out there that have their own version of what a morning altar is, but to hear this version, it's been so beautiful. And I keep looking, I keep looking this way. It's because it's nature in front of me. It's my yard. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. oh, all the trees and plant life. And who's who's looking like they want to be, a, you know, have a conversation today. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Beautiful. Um, well, I would say probably at this point is usually when Jillian and I would do our crystal recommendations. Um, but before we do that, uh, I have this little thing that I kind of spring on when it's when it's someone that's kind of... <laughs> It's one of what we call, we each take turns doing episodes and who, who we introduce. And on mine, I typically want, like to ask the question because um, you are on a platform and there will be people all over the world. I have to check again on which countries, but we have people all over the world that listen as well as on YouTube that watch. So this is your time, Claire, that if you, it doesn't necessarily have to be about what we've talked about. But if there is a message or one thing you wanted to share that you knew knew you could share with souls all over the world, what would that message or sentiment or feeling, what would you want to tell people all over the world? Can I read something? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. This would be a first. Um, I love this. So part of what I do... um, it's, it's weird for me to call myself a poet because it feels very channeled, if that makes sense. I think most Definitely. poetry is channeled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you asked that question, this was what came to mind. So I feel like she's asking to be read. This is a note from the bees. Mm. Be yourself. Find ways to go off the path. Don't worry about the road. Your sense of ease comes from the wander, the adventure. Facing the lion with a song, feeling the vibrations of the world through your toes from being the heart of the village and asking them to dream bigger. So throw away the map and play together with kindness, honesty, and grace. Give up the control, the aching nightmares, the maps written by dead men who conquered and claimed instead of loved and planted. It is time to grieve loss and praise the little things we can each do to heal. It is time to care for the earth that lives anew in our bones and our breath each morning, to live with the deepest love and sorrow for the generations that will feed from the trees we plant, and never forget as we wander and love to be. Wow. That was so beautiful. Oh my gosh, Claire. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) My heart. (laughs) From the bees. Oh, I love that. Thank you, oh, bees. I have to write down yeah. the time that that was at. 
<laughs> the bees are the best. I want to go back and listen again. Um, beautiful. Thank you for that. Oh, man. Thank you. It was like a visionary experience as you were talking. Like I can envision it all. It was beautiful little, again, orchestra. Thank you. So from here, um, this is where Julian and I each give our little expert crystal recommendations. Um, <laughs> I deal in the more on the um, formation aspect. So when it comes to creativity, I'm pretty sure I've brought this formation up before, but botroidal. And botroidal, you'll usually see it um, if you've seen grape agate, where it literally looks like a little bunch of grapes, um, almost looks like Play-Doh or something. That's kind of really going to help us be in that like flowy, fluid, creative, Play-Doh-y type mood. So if you have a botroidal crystal and you're looking into just feeling into your creativity, that's going to be a really good one. If you feel like you have a hard time with that flow, with that just being and being creative, there's a crystal formation called curved. And it's different. There's two different ones that obviously are um, often get confused. One is bent. So it's when a crystal, basically some, it broke somehow and it has an obvious like angled bend to it, but it healed that way. And then there's another one called curved and it's literally grew in this like curved pattern. I should have grabbed one so I, I can know. show you guys. Um, and that's really going to help with like this go with the flow type feeling. Um, so if you have one or I might have one on my website, I'm not sure. Um, but that one will really help if you have a hard time with that flow. Um, the other one I would recommend is inner child. Um, and again, if you, if you're not familiar with these formations, I have an encyclopedia on my website, but inner child is when a crystal is essentially growing within another crystal, but the point is still out. Um, and that's really going to help us to connect with our inner child because a lot of this play in this fluidity with nature is it was born in us. We just kind of lost it. So reconnecting with our inner child to go and to, to experience that creativity that if sometimes we feel like we've lost for some of us, but it's there where I know Claire during our pre-meet said, she said something, I think it was, I, I forget the exact verbiage, but we are all creative. We are all creative. Just sometimes we, we kind of lose touch with it. So, um, those formations are really going to help us get into touch with that creative side, that inner child wonder type side. Those would be mine. Beautiful. I think what's so great about, you know, we always have the crystal recommendations, but I think what's so lovely about, about it, this episode is that these are things you can actually incorporate into your morning altars, which I think is absolutely lovely. Um, I will say I have two categories of recommendations here. And the first one are crystals that really help us connect with the earth. So this is something that could be utilized in a crystal grid or in your morning altars, but it also could be something that you carry with you to help you slow down, to help you connect and like hear the voices of the plants um, when you are going out into the world and building those beautiful morning altars or just going out for a walk, whichever, whichever floats your boat. Um, and so those stones in particular are moss agate and tree agate, both of which in, in slightly different ways help us really connect with plant, plant life, um, with the wisdom of the plants, being able to hear their voices. And then I would also say, um, aragonite specifically star aragonite is a very, it's like earth. Um, it is the earth star chakra as opposed to just the root chakra. So we're like, this is literally the chakra beneath our feet that connects deeply into the ley lines of the earth. So we're really getting that beautiful connection. Um, and then I also really love petrified wood because again, it's, it literally used to be a tree and then turned into <laughs> stone. Like we have, here we are with the two earth things together in one. Um, and I think petrified wood is also really lovely because it has such a sense of time and timelessness. Petrified wood has been around forever, for millions of years. It literally was a living thing. And I think it's a really good one to help us slow down and be in the moment and have that space and recognize this is just a moment and we don't need to rush. We can take our time and really be in our bodies and be 
present with our surroundings. So I love petrified wood for that. In terms of creativity, um, there's a few different ones. The first one I think is tangerine quartz. Tangerine quartz is it's a sacral chakra stone, but it's really just focused on play and playing and being able to reconnect with that that energy of childlike wonder and being able to make mistakes and like laugh at them and then try something else. And so I think tangerine quartz is a really great one, especially if you're like me and a little bit of a perfectionist and you're like, this isn't right. Um, <laughs> so I definitely think tangerine quartz is helpful for those of you who may want to try to make morning altars perfect when they don't actually need to be. Um, a couple other stones that I think, I think chrysocolla is, it's more of a throat chakra stone, but especially for those who are looking to connect creatively as an outlet for what they're feeling for their emotions. I think that's a really, really good one. Um, Carnelian and vanadinite are both, again, just really great inspirational stones that help you connect to that source energy to allow the flow of creativity to happen. Um, and then the last one is iolite sunstone. And it's a really interesting combination because iolite is very much a, a, brow chakra stone. It's really there for, I mean, it's, it's very good for like mental channeling, right? Like spiritual abilities, connection to the divine, and then you bring in that sunstone. And so when you have those two together, it creates this really lovely synthesis again of allowing yourself space to be and flow and to allow your connection to the divine and to the earth and to the sky and to the elements and to whatever it may be being able to really connect and allow that to come through in a way that is meaningful and in a way that feels intentional um, without you controlling it. <laughs> so those are my crystal recommendations. And I, again, I'm just, I'm really excited to start, to start experimenting with this. Yay. <laughs> I'm like looking outside. I'm like, Oh man, I could do it out back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Thank oh. you so much, Jillian. Those are Beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> um, so for Claire, for the, our listeners, how can they get in touch with you? I know um, your website is your name, uh, dot yeah. com, And then where else can they, they uh, find you? And of course, we'll link this all in the show notes. Perfect. Um, yeah. I mean, my website is a great place to start. That's got links for, you know, if they would like to join my email list, I do a monthly newsletter with um, a creature recommendation and some different fun, like creative earth prompts and stuff every month. Um, I also have a sub stack where I primarily um, am sharing poetry and I'm kind of working on developing that further at the moment, which is pretty exciting. Um, I'm also working on the, the second season for The Mindful Creature right now. Um, so the first season is all um, guided meditations with birds. And so if you want to connect with some songbirds, you can go hang wow. out with us for that season. That's cool. Um, yeah. And then um, I'm usually sharing some stuff over on Instagram too. And that's a good hub to kind of, you know, it'll send you to my website and, and all the different places. So yeah, it, it, they all kind of connect to each other. Okay. So whichever one you pick, you know, <laughs> will lead you to all the places if that makes sense, which is kind of nice. Wonderful. So, yeah. Thank yeah. you, Claire, again, for being here with us and yeah, taking us down this different path at least for me anyway. This wandering path. Yeah, this yeah. wandering, <laughs> yeah. which is goes in tune with morning altars anyway, of just like walking yeah. around, seeing how it goes. Um, but it's yeah, beautiful. I love wandering. <laughs> wandering is the best. I'm not a very good hiker. Yes. Because I'm like, you want to get there? Well, yes, but I'm going to stop and talk to every and tree. So just don't worry there. about yeah. me. Like, <laughs> yes. you go do your thing. I'm wandering. Yes. So. I've always, I've always, people be like, oh, you like to hike? I'm like, I like to meander. Yeah. Which is yes. a little, maybe. Excellent <gasps> word. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I definitely resonate with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all about the meandering and the wandering mm -hmm. and, and yeah, not being addicted to the destination, but just seeing what happens mm -hmm. yeah. might surprise you. Thank That's you for a, being a here. Great way to end this episode. Exactly. <laughs> it might just wander. It might surprise you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Well, thank you so much for being on with us, Claire. Um, and for those of you listening, uh, if you have not yet, if you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy hearing our amazing guests and, and uh, Iris and I talking about rocks and crystals, uh, <laughs> give us a follow. Please give us an amazing rating. If you, again, if you enjoyed it, um, if when you rate us and when you give us a follow, it helps other people to find us too. And we can all be a great community together. So. You are clearly already listening to us, but you also can invite your friends. We're available on Spotify, Apple Play, YouTube, and at crystallizingconversations.com. And basically, wherever podcasts are, we're there mm-hmm. meandering. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're there wandering around. <laughs> we're also on uh, TikTok and on oh, yeah. Instagram at Crystallizing Conversations. So we do post um, little snippets of the our podcast episodes there. If you are enjoying this and you do like it, pop on over to Instagram and let us know. We would love to uh, hear from you guys and let us know what you think of this episode as well as others. And yeah, just thank you for being here, being a part of this community and helping us uplift one another. That's really why we're here. So, All right. Well, we will see you next time at Crystallizing Conversations. Thanks, everybody. Bye. This concludes another episode of Crystallizing Conversations. We are so grateful for every moment you spend with us, whether that's listening in or connecting with like-minded friends in the Crystallizing community. To find out how to join, visit us at crystallizingconversations.com, where you can also explore our memberships, which gives you access to bonus episodes, astrological forecasts, behind-the-scenes content, live Q&As, meetups, and more. If this episode resonated with you, you can deepen your exploration through our embodiment journeys, ranging from mini courses to guided meditations to applied practices, all curated to support your embodiment and integration of each episode's topic. Remember, every time you choose to heal and grow, the collective heals and grows with you. Thank you for crystallizing with us.